about 20 years ago, so we're going to finish off Genesis, and we're going to go right through Genesis. Um, Ken's going to come and read the whole chapter of Genesis 3 soon. But about 20 years ago, in Wellington, our, our first house, we had a house down in Wellington. And it was a summer's day, uh, I was a school teacher, and so I don't think school had started Back, but Shah was at work, so she went to she went to work. My older brother was there, and um, so she left us a task. She said, "You can trim the trees, just trim the trees." And um, she came home to a big surprise because um, we started trimming the trees, and my brother said, "Why don't we chop them all down?" And so we did. And so Shah came home, and. The, the neighborhood was filled with smoke and there were her beautiful trees uh, burning. And so she came home to a big surprise in the garden and she was more surprised than pleased, I can tell you that. <laughs> Today we're going to look at three surprises in the garden. Three surprises in the garden. Thank you, Ken, if you come and read Genesis 3, chap, uh, Genesis 3 the, whole, the whole of Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Uh, my heading here is the temptation and the fall of man. <clears throat> now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I, am, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because of you, you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, 
you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's names Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he be put out in his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim in the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. So surprises in the garden. And the first, the first surprise is that snake. Like, whoa, where, where did he come from? Where did the just appear? Where did that snake come from? And um, I had a friend down in Wellington growing up at high school, and his name was Sean. Uh, after a while, he became quite familiar with our, our family, and he would just appear. And he wouldn't even knock. He'd, uh, he'd be in your bedroom uh, doing homework or reading, and there he was. And uh, you'd be in the lounge watching TV, and, and there was Sean. Or in the basement, and boom, there he was, garden. And in fact, my brothers, I've got three brothers, they started calling him Ghosty, because he would just appear like a ghost. And it's like the snake here. The snake just appears. God created the snake, but there's, um, there's something uh, special, unusual, and nasty about the snake. It turns up. Up to this point, all of God's creation has been described as either good or very good. But then this snake appears, and the snake is crafty and sneaky and deceitful, with no introduction. Boom! There it is. Just turns up. And it's evil. There it is. Snake turns up. But its, uh, it's exact origin in the Bible is vague. Where does it come from? There's heaps, of, there's heaps of mention in the Bible of the devil. But the origin is quite kind of vague and murky. There's two passages where, where we see a little bit about the origin of the devil. They are in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 14. I'm going to read that. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. I'll just read it. It says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You are weakened, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, 
to the lowest depths of the pit. That's Isaiah chapter 12. Then Ezekiel also, we see sort of mention of the enemy, of the devil. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to read out parts of this. Uh, Ezekiel 28, and it's parts of verses 12 to 19. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and heaven and beauty, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Then verse 14, you were the anointed cherub. You were on the holy mountain of God. And then 15, till iniquity was found in you. 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. You have become a horror, and you shall be no more forever. So it seems that this describes the enemy, the devil. That the devil started as an angel and became proud and went rogue. It's a bit like in the, the Bjorn identities, you know, some of them. They went rogue. And so the devil was cast down and now opposes God and troubles man, trying to separate man from God. So boom, the snake appears. The snake appears. So sad in the garden after such a great start. And then things go pear-shaped. And the devil asks us, starts questioning, uh, twisting the word of God. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? And it starts with the questioning, the, the word of God, and the intention of God. Is God good? That's a good question. Is God good? Verse 5. God knows, it says, the snake, God knows when you eat of the forbidden tree, your eyes will be opened. In other words, the snake suggests that God actually doesn't want the very best for you. Is God good? But God is good. God is good. These lies were spoken way back in the garden but they still get spoken now. Is God good? Does he really want the best for you? So the, the origin of a devil is quite vague, but the operations of a devil are not. They're evident. Deception. And by the way, uh, the ending of the devil is plain. His destruction is plain. Revelation 20. He will be thrown down into the pit and destroyed. But the devil, not always, his lies are not always like full on, in your face, full on, 100% lies. Often the devil's lies comes as kind of half lies, half truth. Ever notice that? The devil says your eyes will be open like God will be amazing. 
be amazing when your eyes are opened. And, and sure, the, the, the man and the woman's eyes were opened, but they, they started to see uh, what they didn't want to see. Whoa, we are naked. They saw their nudity. Whoa. Became ashamed. You know, open eyes was not as wonderful as the snake made out. And be, in fact, being like God resulted in them being separated from God. That's what happened when the eyes were opened. Humans attempted to think that being like God was what would bring them happiness. When in fact, their happiness, their peace, their joy comes from being with God. They had been deceived by the snake. And what results? Shame, verse 8. Fear, verse 10. Pain, greatly increased pain in childbirth for the woman, verse 16. Pain of toil, of labor for the man, verse 19. Domination, verse 16. Disunity between God and humans, verse 9. And between man and woman, verse 12. Funny how the man paints himself as the victim. In fact, he was a criminal. The man says this, The woman you gave me, her, the woman you gave me, yeah, her, she gave me the fruit from the tree that was out of bounds. And you know that, I don't know about you, it really annoys, annoys me how uh, the devil is painted sometimes as, um, as a producer of what is good and great and fun. But actually, that is not true. He produces destruction and pain and death and lying. Origin of the devil, quite vague. Operations, clear and nasty. And destination of devil is clear. He will be destroyed in a horrible way. So spit on the devil. He is not your friend. In fact, the uh, Eastern Orthodox tradition of a Christian faith, they do that when they baptize. They will um, spit Three times. In fact, um, come along next Sunday with some spit. We're going to do some. <laughs> don't, don't, don't forget your morning tea, but come with some spit as well. Don't. We're going to spit on the devil. So there's a surprise in the garden. The snake, whoa, there he is, just turns up. And he's nasty. That's surprise number one. Surprise number two is there is grace in the garden. Grace is the unmerited generosity of God. It's not merited, not earned, but there it is. Grace. You would, you know, you would have expected a brutal response from God. Boom. They rebel. Boom. But that is not God's response. It's grace. Verse nine. God very very gently asks, where are you? Uh, ka karanga i hoa te atua, kia arama, ka mea ki aia, uh, ka koe. Where are you? There's lots of grace in the garden. You know, Adam and Eve, they tried to make these, these attempts to cover themselves, not very well. But verse 21, God himself makes some gardeners 
and he brings them to the man and the woman, God himself, and he covers them. There's grace in the garden. And another example of grace, Adam and Eve protected from the tree, actually that would ultimately bring them harm. Another one, you know, our mortality. We don't live forever. That's actually a grace. Think about it. If, if we have this tendency to just, uh, to wickedness and we live forever wicked, that's not great. So that mortality is actually a grace. And, uh, if, if we're having this pain to produce men, it says, Adam had this pain of producing the toil in the garden forever. That'd be horrible. Woman giving birth forever. Baby after baby after baby. Can you imagine that? (laughs) There's grace in the garden. Important to remember that the Christian faith is Trinitarian. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we, we tend to, in our minds at times, forget about that. And think, and, and just cut up God, Jesus, Holy Spirit as if they're separate entities. But actually God is one, but in three persons. Te matua, te tama, me te wairua tapu. Sometimes we talk as if they're three separate things in our emojis, if they're theological emojis would look like this. That God is the grumpy one. And, and Jesus is nice. And the Holy Spirit is what? <laughs> but actually, uh, we see parts of the character of God in all of those three parts of the Trinity. You know, in Jesus' life, we see that justice and that wrath coming forward in his, his actions and his words, not just his niceness. Holy Spirit, too, we see some wild things. Acts, um, Acts 11, the, the judgment of God produced through the Holy Spirit. And uh, here in the garden, we see the grace of God, the kindness of God. You know, the grace of God just didn't turn up on in the first century with Jesus. The grace of God is evident throughout in the Old Testament as well. Third grace. Third grace is there is choice in the garden. There's free choice in the garden. God did not force Adam and Eve to obey him. He didn't. And the big danger of choice is that we can make the wrong choice. We can. We had this friend, Sharon and I had this friend at language school. And uh, we got to know her a little bit. She said she, re- she really struggled with procrastination. She said, actually, the way I make my choices, I get all my choices and I lay them out there and then I ignore all of them. And the one that's left, I end up calling my choice. (laughs) Actually, she's right. That uh, leaving everything to the last moment, that is a choice. Leaving everything and just choosing that, that is a choice. And Adam's passivity his passiveness in the garden, that was a choice. He went along with it. He went along with Eve's rebellion. That was a choice. 
2006, Kentucky, USA, terrible disaster, airplane disaster, 49 people died. The co-pilot's name was James uh, Polahinki. The, the plane crash was Com Air number 5191, and it went through a fence at the end of the runway. Early morning, August 27, 2006. And the reason for the disaster was the airplane 5191 was actually on the wrong runway. It, was on, uh, taken, it should have taken off from runway 22. Instead, it tried and failed to take off from runway 26. There had been a number of, of errors, human errors, that led to the disaster. The pre-recorded messages from the control tower about runway changes uh, were not transmitted to the airplane. The pilot and co-pilot, James Polahinki, failed to do what is called a compass verification that would have um, verified the con- from the control tower that they were on the wrong runway. And so in the dark of early morning, 27 August 2006, senior pilot Jeffrey Clay taxied onto the wrong and much shorter runway 26, the red one, then handed the controls to pilot James Polahinki to take off. Uh, Polahinki, unable to take off on the shorter runway, smashed through the perimeter fence, then into the trees of a neighboring farm. He was the only survivor. He was in a coma for 10 days, and when he regained consciousness after 10 days, these were his very first words. Why did God do this to me? Why did God do this to me? But actually, there were several human errors and choices that actually led to that crash. And God did not do that to him because God gives us free will in the garden and we can choose. And there can be negative consequences if we make the wrong choices. Because if there weren't, that would not be true free will. But God gives us free will in the garden. And we can choose, and we can make a great choice. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we can choose to be in Jesus Christ, and we can choose not to be, and it is our choice, because there's free will in the garden. There's a snake in the garden, there's God's grace in the garden, and there's free will. And if we choose, we can have God's grace, despite the snake trying all sorts of nasty tricks. And so we're going to finish there, and we're going to have a time of quiet, and you can uh, just affirm again to choose Christ, because it is a choice. You are free to choose or not choose Jesus Christ. And um, as Joshua said way back in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we will choose the Lord. So let's, uh, let's have a quiet time.
Mm. Lord, we thank you. We thank you despite the lies of the enemy that you are good. You are a good God. And um, you show unmerited, unwarranted generosity to us. And you give us free choice. And uh, Lord, what we ask today is you help us to um, continue in you. Continue in you as our choice. Uh, give us boldness to put that choice before others that they do need to make a choice. And actually being passive uh, is a choice. Going, going along passively with the evil of the world is a choice. Um, but there is grace for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for that. We want to choose that today. Amen. Uh, People, if you haven't made that choice, people here love to help you make that choice for the first time. If you want to make it again, you need to make it again. People love to pray with you in any way, uh, health or any other thing. Otherwise, have a great afternoon. Don't forget, bring spit next week. Bring some, something to eat. Seriously. Bless you.